We come now, brethren, to the preaching of God's Word, and I invite you to take your Bibles and open them to the book of Romans, and the 14th chapter, the book of Romans, and the 14th chapter this morning. I will be reading and then preaching on verses 13 through 23. That's verses 13 through 23 of Romans chapter 14. I invite you to read along silently as I read aloud. Here the Apostle Paul writes, beginning in verse 13 of Romans 14. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your bro brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatsoever does not proceed from faith is sin. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to hear your word preached. And we would ask now for the work of the Holy Spirit, that he would mightily work in this service today, that he would grant us an understanding of this text and help us to apply it in such a way that this church is helped and that you are glorified. Help us to be conformed to your word, to its teaching, to its truth. And we ask these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Beloved, every Christian is responsible for laboring for the peace and the edification of Christ's church. For all who have experienced the freedom that Christ Jesus gives to his people have the duty to use that freedom in a way that promotes what Christ is most concerned about. And Christ is most concerned for the good and welfare of his church. For the church is his bride for which he laid down his own life. And Christ has called us to lay aside our own self-interests and even our own lives, if necessary, for the sake of love. For the love of God and love for others is more important to the Christian than the pursuit of self-love. And in the context of this chapter, Romans chapter 14, the most loving acts that we can practice are refusing to judge our brethren and removing any obstacles which might deliberately or inadvertently cause our brethren in Christ 
to stumble. For Paul writes, beginning here in verse 13, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. For you'll recall from what Paul declared back in verses 1 through 12 of this 14th chapter, that some quarrels had emerged in the church of Rome over the eating of certain foods and the observance of certain days instead of others. And these quarrels or disagreements over things which were by no means essential were threatening the order and the overall well-being of the church. And so Paul identifies here in our text the actions and the attitudes that were fueling these quarrels, and he exhorts the saints in Rome to stop doing them. To stop doing them. And how does he do this? Well, Paul begins by sharing with these believers his own Christ-centered perspective on these issues. For the key to resolving these problems, the key to resolving these issues in Paul's mind was to view them in light of Jesus Christ and to view them in light of how they related to Christ's commands to love one another, to walk in love. Where Paul writes here in verses 14 and 15 of Romans chapter 14, For I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. Or to put it another way, Paul is saying, What informs me, what persuades me on these issues is what Jesus Christ did what Jesus Christ did, and how his death frees us from the fear of eating what is unclean. For when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he fulfilled and he removed the demands of the ceremonial law completely, which included laws about abstaining from unclean foods. And what Christ purchased for us instead is the liberty to eat with thanksgiving what was once forbidden by God's law. Whereas those who have not been informed, those who have not been persuaded of what Christ did, continue to believe that certain foods are forbidden. And they keep themselves bound by their own beliefs, which are not well grounded in the truth of what Christ did or in the liberty that he purchased for us. And so Paul first responds here in verse 14 by clarifying that keeping our eyes on Christ and what he did will keep us from judging our brothers and sisters. Keeping our eyes on Christ and what he did will keep us from judging our brothers and sisters. It will keep us from imposing on them requirements that no longer exist. Then secondly, here in verse 15 of Romans chapter 14, Paul urges these believers to stop judging one another and to stop causing one another to stumble by appealing to the rule of love. To the rule of love which Christ has set for us by his teaching and by his example. For notice what Paul says here in this verse. For if your brother is grieved by what you do, you are no longer walking in love. 
And not only is the Apostle Paul building here on what he has already written about love back in chapters 12 and 13, but he is also instructing us on what we must avoid if we want love to prevail within God's family. And what we must avoid is bringing grief to our brethren. We must avoid bringing grief to our brethren by being so insistent upon our own liberty and so insensitive to their concerns that we disregard them. And so Paul identifies the sin of grieving our brothers and sisters in Christ over matters that are not essential to the faith as a hindrance to love and unity in the church, for we should be bringing gladness to our brethren and not grief. Furthermore, you and I as believers should always be careful not to destroy those who were weaker simply because we are more confident in our Christian liberty than they are in theirs. Nor should we offer an occasion to our enemy or to others to criticize our tendency to harm our brethren under the guise of doing what is good. For Paul writes here at the end of verse 15 and all of verse 16, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. And notice here in verse 15 that Paul fully recognizes that the weak within the church are just as valuable in light of Christ's death as the strong are. And that to ignore one or the other is to overlook why Christ died, which was to bring us all together into one spiritual body. And so what does Paul conclude here in our text this morning about our, our duty to stop judging one another? Well, he concludes here first by pointing back to God's own purpose in the establishment of his kingdom within us. And his purpose was not to promote eating and drinking, but God's purpose in establishing his kingdom in us was to promote the Spirit's work. Or notice what Paul writes here in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy, where? In the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the implications of what the Apostle Paul is writing here are very simple. Very simple. If the kingdom of God is about eating and drinking to the exclusion of what others need, then we should be right to be preoccupied with eating and drinking. However, if the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, which is what Paul says, it is not a matter of eating and drinking, we should never elevate those concerns above our obligation above our duty to walk with one another in love. For the Holy Spirit's work within us is not intended to make us more focused on food and drink. The Holy Spirit's work in us is not intended to make us judges or critics of how others abstain from those things or how others choose to consume them. 
But Paul states here in verse 17 of Romans 14 that the Spirit is working in us to produce righteousness and peace and joy instead. And why is he producing righteousness in us? Because he is conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ, who is the pattern for our righteousness. And why peace? Because it is his peace that guards our hearts and minds. It is his peace that keeps us content in Jesus Christ. And why joy? Because the joy of the Lord, which the Holy Spirit supplies, is our strength. For these great spiritual blessings, which the Holy Spirit alone can supply, are not found in seeking our own righteousness through eating and drinking, but they are found in relying upon Christ's perfect righteousness, which assures us of our acceptance with God, and which frees us this morning to walk together in love. So once again, it is not focusing on what we do. It is not focusing on what we drink. It is not focusing on what we eat or what someone else eats and drinks that truly matters within the life of the church. But it's what we rightly understand about what Christ did. That's what keeps us on the right track. That's what keeps us focused on the kind of righteousness and peace and joy that we need to thrive and, and flourish together as a congregation in love. In fact, Paul drives home this same conclusion here in verse 18 of Romans chapter 14, where he writes, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. For what makes us acceptable to God is not what we think or practice when it comes to eating and drinking, but what makes us acceptable to God is the genuine faith that we now possess in the sufficiency of what Jesus did. In addition, what makes us approved by men, and the context here is men who are, are men of discernment and wisdom, what makes us approved by men is the fact that we recognize that Christ's kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's a matter of trust in the person of Jesus Christ who gives us his righteousness and his peace and his joy in the Holy Spirit. In fact, if we have these graces operating in us, other believers within the church will see them in us and they will appreciate them and they will spiritually benefit from them. And so what should we devote our energy to when it comes to ensuring that we are not being judgmental, when it comes to ensuring that we are not causing our brethren to stumble or fall? Well, Paul exhorts us here in verse 19, notice these words, so then let us pursue, let us chase after what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding, for mutual edification. For Paul wants us to understand that peace and mutual uplifting will not come unless you and I as believers are actively pursuing it. It will not come unless you and I are diligently and enthusiastically chasing after it or simply responding to one another in the way that our flesh leads us to do, 
will always result in misunderstandings and criticism and insensitivity towards one another. For our flesh opposes the sacrifice and the humility that is required to live in harmony with other believers. In fact, our flesh is constantly pursuing its own agenda. Our flesh is constantly chasing after our own agenda without any consideration for the peace and edification of others. And so as Paul urges us here in verse 19, let us pursue, let us chase after what contributes to our peace and our mutual well-being. Let us make every effort to pursue those things that promote righteousness, that promote right living among us. Let us encourage those things that create and maintain peaceful relationships between us. Let us all go the extra mile to ensure that what we do is mutually edifying for all of us. For we are all members of one body. We are all members of one another. And therefore, let us think twice. Let us think very cautiously before doing anything that would disrupt our peace. Let us think twice. Let us think very cautiously about doing anything that would tear another brother or sister down. Because when we fail to make a priority of peace and mutual upbringing, we begin to undermine the foundation that we are built on. And so not only are we called to pursue peace and the upbuilding of others in the church, but we are called to be alert to the danger of doing great harm to the work of Christ if we neglect to pursue, if we neglect to chase after the right things. In fact, notice what Paul says here in verse 20, a, a very interesting, a very, in some respects, a very alarming verse. Paul says here in verse 20, do not for the sake of food, food by the way easily perishes. Do not for the sake of that which easily perishes, destroy the work of God. These sobering words from the Apostle Paul clearly teach that you and I as believers are fully capable of destroying something. We're fully capable of destroying or tearing down what God has begun among us. And sadly, there have been many churches throughout history, there have been many churches in our own times that have been destroyed, that have been torn apart over distractive and divisive issues such as the ones that Paul mentions here in Romans chapter 14 because they fail to see how their spiritual enemy, their adversary, can use disputes of this nature to bring conflict and even collapse. And so to honor, to preserve the work of God that he is doing among us, we as God's people must be committed to pursuing what makes for true peace and edification. And this involves not just having the right knowledge of what can destroy God's work and how to avoid them, but also having the spiritual discernment and the commitment not to give offense unnecessarily, not to cause another brother or sister in Christ to stumble. 
And what do we need to possess in terms of spiritual discernment? Well, Paul states here in verse 20, that we should now possess the discernment to see that in Christ, we are no longer primarily concerned with what is ceremonially unclean, because now everything is clean. Everything is clean. And why is it important to know and to discern this? Well, it's important because if everything is now clean, then we have no reason to fixate on those things anymore. We have no reason to be preoccupied with things that are not essential. We should not feel compelled to make them such a major issue, nor should we let others manipulate us into thinking that our acceptance by God is determined or affected by things like eating and drinking. For through Jesus Christ, we now have the freedom to move entirely beyond those things beyond those things. For now that Christ has delivered us from the demands of the Old Testament laws regarding food and drinks, we have the liberty to enjoy them with thanksgiving. For God's gifts are to be enjoyed by all who know who provided them and who are thankful for them. And yet, while we have the liberty now to enjoy them, we do not have the liberty to place our enjoyment above the spiritual edification of another. Let me repeat that. We do not have the liberty to place our enjoyment of God's gifts above the spiritual edification of another. For Paul states here at the end of verse 20, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. And so while we have the Christian liberty to eat what was once considered unclean and to enjoy it with thanksgiving, we don't have the liberty, we do not have the freedom to disregard the welfare of others in the pursuit of our own enjoyment. For our obligation to love one another and to do what is spiritually good and edifying for our brethren outweighs the individual right that we possess to enjoy something. And again, this is a matter of spiritual discernment. It is a matter of spiritual liberty. For an undiscerning person gives no thought to how his actions affect others, and so he easily causes offenses. And a spiritually immature person insists that his liberties are far more important than the concerns of others, and so he proceeds anyway in an unloving way. However, the one who is discerning, the one who is spiritually mature, understands that causing a brother or sister in Christ to stumble is never, ever the right thing to do. Whereas the right thing to do is always oriented towards what is best for others. And so loving our brethren is often a decision as to what we will not do as much as it is the decision about what we will do. And what we choose not to do for the sake of our brethren is often the way of securing what's good or best for them. Again, what's important is what's good and best for them. 
and not for us. In fact, Paul lays down this spiritual principle, this directive here in verse 21 of Romans 14, where he writes, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Because what we understand about what's involved in doing good needs to include our acceptance of the fact that some things should not be done if our brethren stumble because of it. And is this principle, this rule of love, easy to carry out? No, it's not. In fact, many times it's not carried out at all. It's not regarded. Because sometimes as free men in Christ, we, we love our liberty, don't we? And our tendency is to insist upon our liberty despite the impact that it may have on others. But wisdom and brotherly love bid us to, to set our own liberty aside if it helps our brethren. For there are some privileges that we have as Christians that should not be exercised if in doing so we cause more harm than good. Brethren, I hope that we hear that because it's an important principle. There are some privileges that we have which should not be exercised if doing so can cause more harm than good. And there are some instances where we should not insist upon our own rights, but be willing to give up our rights for the greater good of blessing Christ's church. So what counsel does Paul give us here when we find ourselves in these kinds of situations? Well, notice what Paul instructs us to do here in verse 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Now that's an interesting statement. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. What does this mean? Well, clearly... Paul is not saying here that we should set aside our faith or that we should try to conceal it from others. But rather, Paul is simply saying here that there is no need to parade our liberties. There is no need to parade our rights or impose them on others who are too immature or too weak to understand them. Because to impose our liberties on others in such a way that they stumble is not the wisest and most wise and sensitive thing to do. In fact, it can be extremely selfish to do such a thing. But what is far better to do is to simply love our weaker brother or sister in Christ as we should, as we are called to do, and then leave the matter of our own liberty between us and God. Leave the matter of our own liberty between us and God. For God knows what our true motives are, and we can trust him to help us to know when and how to use our liberties helpfully or to simply set them aside. And there are times when we should set them aside. Because if God knows our true motives, and he certainly does, and our motives are to be a blessing rather than a burden to our brethren, then we can live with the confidence that we are following God's leading. And we don't need to condemn ourselves because we've chosen not to parade our rights, but to address the needs of others. 
In fact, this is in essence what Paul is saying here in the rest of verse 22. Notice this. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. For brethren, if we have prayed about a matter and we have chosen to pursue the path of peace and edification in obedience to God, we don't have to wonder if we've done the right thing. We don't have to wonder at all, nor should we doubt or question ourselves about taking that course of action because God will not only bless us when we do that, God will not only give us a clear conscience, but he will give us the spiritual confidence that we need to act selflessly and with a genuine love for others. Why is this important for us to know? Well, it's important for us to know, because as Paul says here in our text this morning, whatever we do, we must do by faith. Whatever we do, we must do by faith. We must do it with the full confidence that it is the right thing. It is the scriptural thing to do, because only then can we have a clear conscience. Only then can we know with certainty that we will receive God's blessing in time. In fact, Paul warns us here in our text this morning about trying to proceed in a matter that requires faith in a doubtful or distressed manner. Notice what Paul says here in the beginning of verse 23. But whoever doubts is condemned if he eats, because eating is not from faith. And so, so what is Paul saying here? Paul is simply saying here that Whenever we give in to doubt, our consciences will condemn us. In fact, the condemnation that Paul refers to here in verse 23 is not condemnation from God. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor Massey? We know that because there is no condemnation from God to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Rather, Paul is speaking here of the condemnation of our own consciences when we pretend to be acting out of faith, when in reality we are plagued by doubt. Because what you and I have been called to do is to live a life of faith and not doubt. And in the context of peace and edification in the church, we are called to have faith in the power of brotherly love. That's where our faith resides, in the power of brotherly love. We are called to believe that when we put the needs of others above our own needs and above our own liberties, blessings will come. And yet the pressing question this morning is, are we people of faith? Are we people of faith? Are we those who have faith in the power of God's word to change lives? Are we those who have faith in the power of brotherly love to make a difference, to bind us together, to build one another up? Are we willing to trust in God's way of maintaining our peace and unity? I pray that we are people of faith this morning in those senses. Because Paul concludes here in verse 23, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And we all know that sin is not only disruptive, 
to peace and edification in the church, but it also displeases God. It also displeases God, and certainly we want the smile of God, the favor of God upon our lives. We want the smile and the favor of God upon our congregations. And given that sin is the problem, may we be quick to forsake our own sins and to obey God. May we be quick to confess those times when we've judged harshly our brother or sister in Christ, to repent of that, to ask for forgiveness for that, to seek peace and edification. Are we willing to confess those times when we have judged others in such a way that fellowship has been broken? We need to repent of those times and ask God to forgive us and to restore that fellowship that has indeed been broken apart. Help us, Father, this morning to take your word seriously. Help us to pursue those things that make for peace and mutual upbringing and upbuilding. And may you be glorified, Father, through Jesus Christ for all that's done in this church. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we would ask for the work of your Spirit, that he would grant us understanding of this text this morning as we've gone through it very quickly, and that we would see at a very minimum that we are to pursue brotherly love and peace and edification with one another. Help us to resolve by your strength to do all that we can to maintain the spirit, to maintain the bond of peace in the spirit this morning. Help us to commit ourselves to being agents of reconciliation, to be brotherly and loving to those within this congregation who desperately need that love from us this morning. Father, teach us from your word today, for we are so often unteachable or difficult to teach. May we be humble enough to receive what we've heard today for the glory of God and for the good of this church. For we ask these things in Jesus' blessed name.